Nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews uh, over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No, no not that's possible. crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skills. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost uh, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> Completely for free. No. What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they meet every requirement, don't wow. they? Oh my God. Mom's in the bed. Yeah, it's no pain. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. Well, that video is a reminder of our own moms, our wives, our daughters even, who are, who are mothers now. And Mother's Day can be a time for all of us to pause, reflect, to think about all the sacrifices. And for many of us, Mother's Day is a great day, a great day of remembering to thank those people who've invested in us, sacrificed for us, cared for us.
And so for all the moms that are here, all the women here, we want to say uh, happy Mother's Day to you. We know for others of us, this Mother's Day might be a time not of a great day, but of a grieving day. This might be your first Mother's Day without your mom. Maybe it's a reminder that uh, you were hoping to be a mom by this Mother's Day, and you're not really sure why God has allowed that to happen. Sometimes Mother's Day can fill with the emotions of uh, realizing that none of us can live up to the perfect mom. Maybe you stumbled across Proverbs 31 recently, and you're like, oh my goodness, who in the world could be that woman? But whatever it is, we're going to learn today a little bit about how we can take some time to reflect, to think about how God wants to draw near to us in this idea of celebrating this gift of womanhood and motherhood that God has for us. The Bible speaks a lot about honoring, and over the years as I've spoke about honoring our father and mother, I've had several folks come up and say, one thing that's hard for me on Mother's Day is that my mom and I don't have a great relationship. Many people do, and it's awesome for them, but I'm not able to connect with my mom on that level. And your teaching about honoring is different from even liking. It's different from encouraging, that there's a way to honor even when there's a disconnect between you and your mom was, was powerful. So we're going to look at that idea today, because for many of us, our moms did such an incredible job that Mother's Day is a chance to say, wow, I want to just pour out the appreciation that I've forgotten to say. And so there's a verse in Ephesians, which is a letter written uh, to a group of people in Ephesus. It's actually quoting from the Old Testament, something we know as the Ten Commandments, when it says, Honor your father and mother, we'll focus on the mother part today, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Unlike all the other commandments of the Ten Commandments, this particular one comes with a bonus, a reward, a promise. If you will learn how to honor your mother and father, it will be well with you. There are unbelievable psychological benefits that occur as you learn how to honor those people who raised you. Even if you don't agree with everything they did, even if they're not perfect, because none of them are, when you learn to see them as human beings, forgive them for their mistakes, but honor them and thank them for everything they did right, not only is that powerful in what you give to your parents, but it actually does something inside you that you may be well with you, that you can live a long or a prosperous or a a significant life untangled for some of the bitterness that people get tied into. And what God is basically saying here in both the Old and New Testament is that God honors those who honor their mothers. God honors those who honor their mothers. I was talking to a friend. He was a president of a large company. And he was talking about the challenges of being stuck in that, that time in life when all his kids were teenagers and they were in traveling this and traveling that. At the same time, his father had passed away and his mom was home alone. And so he was coordinating his schedule to come and take care of his mom and, and spending some time with her and going to things that maybe she preferred that she did with dad that he didn't really prefer. He talked about how, how meaningful that time was and yet how grueling it was and how challenging it was to coordinate all the different schedules that were going on. As I was talking to him about that, he said, yeah, it's been interesting to watch my kids watch me honor my mom. He said, and uh, selfishly, I'm kind of hopeful that maybe they're sort of watching this because, you know, 30 years from now, maybe they'll do unto me as I've done unto mom kind of thing. He, but he referenced, he said, you know, in Ephesians, there's this great thing that one of the other reasons that you get older, you're replacing this hip or fixing that and things aren't working the way they did. I want to hold on to this promise, whatever it means in Ephesians, that if you honor your mom well... If you honor your dad well, you get a long life, as it said in Ephesians, right? We'll take all the help we can get. But there's something powerful that as kids, when you observe parents who honor parents, 
even parents that don't always agree with, something actually gets caught. Well, my dad was that way. Uh, I had two grandmothers, and one of them was easy to honor, and one was not so easy to honor. And I watched my parents do this in a way that still impacts me even today. I'll tell you about my dad. It's a family photo. It's my dad and this is my grandmother. If you look real close, my grandma's wearing a wig. Now, I didn't know that as a kid. I had no idea this what Grandma looked like as long as I knew her. I didn't know she wore a wig. I remember the first time my grandma, my love for games came from my grandmother. We used to play Canasta together and, and Cribbage together and Kings in the Corner. And so I loved going to Grandma's house for a weekend. But I remember I was like six or seven at Grandma's house, and Grandma walked into her bedroom. She's going to come back out for one more game of Cribbage. And I'm not sure what happened in that room. But my grandma walked in, and out came a woman wearing a muumuu, which my grandma always had on her muumuu, with no hair. I mean, it looked like a gu- she'd been mugged in there, and somebody came out with like six hairs that were greased back on her head, and I was shocked. What? And she's talking to me like I know her. All right, let's play some cribbage. What happened to my grandma? Well, every time we'd go to my grandma's house, we'd literally come up to the front door, and I'd say, hi, Grandma, let's play some cards. As soon as my dad came to the door, before there was a hi, good to see you, it was always, hey, Ross, here's the list. And I didn't see my dad for 40 minutes because it was working on Grandma's list. And Grandma was blunt, and Grandma didn't think she had anything she needed to change ever. And, man, I watched my dad serve my Grandma, who was pretty thankless, as you'll see in a second, by loving on her and caring for her. And then as we got older, Grandma would say, could you come uh, fix the VCR? And it was a VCR with a 12 that blanked. It was blinking the whole time. 12, 12, 12. And I'd go down and I'm, I'm reprogramming the VCR, resetting the clock. And, and okay, make sure you get my Matlock. All right, there's, what day is the Matlock on? And, and Grandpa likes the Andy Griffith show. And we're getting the Andy Griffith show. And Well, then once a quarter, my Grandma sent a letter out to every relative in our family. The letter was called, To All My Grandchildren. And I remember the first time we got a letter, like, oh, we got a letter from Grandma. And we lived a mile from Grandma, but still. So we're reading it around the family dinner. It's not written just to us, to every relative we know. And it goes like this. To all my grandchildren, I am so proud of my son, Mark who's building an incredible business in the oil industry in Saudi Arabia, and his kids are doing amazing things. And I'm, and I'm so proud of all of them, the amazing things they're accomplishing. Next paragraph. I'm so proud of my son, Kent, who's an evangelist who's around the world, just got a Ph.D. It's nice to have at least one smart one in the family. One of my favorite lines, actually. And I'm so proud of my daughter. And she's doing amazing things. She's got her own salon business. She's starting her own blah, 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 blah. So amazing. And then it got to our paragraph. Wish I could see Ross more often. He never comes over. The kids just don't have time for me, I guess, but might be nice if maybe by next year they would spend some time with Grandma. And we're reading this thing like we're there like every week. I mean, I'm taking the ketchup off the ketchup bottle, reprogramming the VCR. And I tell you, I watched our family. We decided not to get bitter, not to get upset. We decided to look forward to every quarter getting the letter to all my grandchildren. We decided instead of bitterness, we were going to laugh. It was going to be just part of the joy of the family. And I watched my dad honor my grandmother in ways that still speak to me today of how to honor the people who've invested in you, even if they don't necessarily show gratitude in return. Now, my other grandmother, Grandma Eltravug, was very easy to honor. She certainly was not perfect at all. But I watched my mom honor her. 
My grandma also loved cards. We'd play backgammon together. We'd play greed together, a, a version of what's called Farkle now. My grandma loved to sing. She had an organ that she would sing together. And I didn't realize that she used to sing as a pretty major singer traveling in the, with the army and with other military. Enough that one day my mom just a couple of years ago told me that when she was singing at one of these events for the troops, somebody there actually had the Hope Diamond there and asked my grandma if she wanted to wear it. And so my grandma got to wear the Hope Diamond at this event for like, you know, 15 minutes. I'm like, the Hope Diamond? Oh, yeah, that's incredible. I remember my grandpa passed away. One of the ways my mom honored my grandmother was to not only be the executor of the will, but to help her, care for her, help grieve with her. I remember going through the basement when my grandpa died as a family, and boxes were just stacked from, from floor to ceiling. It's like a labyrinth down there. And she was the vice president of a company my mom was, and she took the time off, and we took the time off uh, as a family, and we spent five days selling, massive garage sale, selling all the stuff in the basement. And I remember several years later, my mom was with my grandmother when she passed away. And I remember going to clear out Grandma's house together. Grandma had this deep freezer like only grandmothers have. I mean, this deep freezer was like four foot by eight foot by like six miles deep. And I remember as we were clearing out Grandma, my grandma was a Tupperware-holic. And if you're not familiar with this, um, she had more Tupperware than you can imagine. And we went through the basement, and she'd filled the basement back up with Tupperware she'd never used yet. And we're, we're in the, we're pop open the deep freeze and she labeled everything. So literally, she died in like 98, I think. So it was like, you know, December of 1998. Ooh, it's May now. Ooh. And then we pull, go down a little bit deeper. It's like, ooh, February of 1997. <laughs> March of 97. I eventually crawled into the deep freeze as I was helping clear it out. 1992. 91, 85, 82. By the time I got to the bottom, there were some 1970s in there, let me tell you. But I tell you what I watched. I watched my parents both honor their moms in a way that still speaks to me in a pretty powerful way. As I want to talk this morning about why we should honor our parents and how do we honor our parents. First, why? Number one, because God used your mother's DNA to make you who you are. So whether your mom did everything right or nothing right, God used your mother to make you who you are. It says in Psalms 139, For you formed my inward parts, talking to God, you covered me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance, and in your book they were all written. The days were fashioned for me. God's purpose for you, even before you existed, was he was going to use your mother to make you who you are today. And just a quick show of hands. How many here have a mother? Anyone? All right, uh, about half of you. So one of, the, uh, one of the things I think, especially if you're in that category where you have a difficult relationship with your mom or you don't have the kind of relationship you hope you do, one of the ways you can honor your mom is by focusing on the very thing that you are who you are because God used your mother. And to thank God for that and to honor your mom for that, you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the gift of life and the way God used your mother's DNA to form you and to make you. But it's not just your mom's DNA. God also used your mom's sacrifices. As we saw in that, uh, that video earlier, it's just amazing that the older you get, you step into motherhood yourself, you step into grandmothering yourself, and you look back and you go, well, how did they do it? Well, our moms made it look so easy. And it's really tough to juggle all this and to figure all this out. And the older you get, the more you see a window into how difficult it is. 
I remember my mom being on the phone. I'm like, man, you seem really irritated on the phone. What's going on? And then later in life, I'd figure out what it's like to be on the phone call with an insurance company for an hour and a half trying to explain something. I'm like, oh, all those conversations where mom fighting for us on the insurance company trying to figure that stuff out. The older you get, the more you appreciate the challenges and sacrifices that just the idea of parenthood or motherhood or fatherhood brings. So honoring your mom and honoring your dad doesn't mean they did everything right, but it's honoring the sacrifices they make to have you. As one uh, dad said one time, one guy was telling me, he said, every once in a while I'd talk back to my mom and my dad would say to me, he goes, she carried you for nine months. You will honor my wife. That was his way of saying, if nothing else, the the sacrifice of being carried uh, in their body is a way to honor. And third, the reason we honor is because God uses your mother's position to teach us something we need to know. Now, it speaks here about honoring your father and your mother, that it may be well with you. And why is that? Because God created family so that in family, as we grow up in our family, we're learning skills we're in need for the rest of our life. And that mothers and and, and fathers have a position that as children we learn how to be people under authority. We learn how to follow. We learn how to surrender. We learn how to be accountable. We learn how to appeal in a respectful way. We learn how to obey even things we don't agree with or don't even like. And, and of course, when you're a kid, you say to yourself, I can't wait till I get out of here. Someday I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be free. No more rules. No more of this nonsense. I'll be able to do whatever I want. And then they take two steps into freedom and they have a landlord. And a roommate, and a boss, and a colleague. And all of a sudden, they realize that you never get out from under people's authority. And those same skills, obeying, submitting to someone in authority over you, learning how to appeal respectfully, these are skills you need your whole life. Well, you know, well, maybe one day I'll work my way up the chain. I'll finally be the president or the CEO, and then you'll be accountable to the board and the stakeholders and the board of directors. And that's why God designed family, so that we would learn how to honor, because you need this skill for life, that it will be well with you. And so as parents and grandparents, as we teach our kids, we're teaching them a skill that they don't necessarily like, they don't have the perspective for it. But the reason we're teaching them to honor is because it's going to help set them up for life. And if you've never learned how to honor, instead you've said, I don't like that, I went into bitterness or rebellion, there's a piece God wants to grow you in so that you can have the best kind of life. So those are three reasons why we honor. I read a story of a guy named uh, Maggie Fernandez, and he was describing his relationship with his mom. He said, you know, my, my sister, and it was Heather, she had a close relationship with the mom. She was more emotional, more emotive. I was more of the disconnected. I, she was more the idealist. I was more the realist. Because I watched my mom, they began to age. And I watched my sister care for them and honor them in their aging in a way that really struck me, he said. I watched my sister with joy make sure they had their medicine on time, make sure that they had the, the, the care they needed at the house, to, to, to whether it was she doing it or coordinating the rest of us. I saw the wear and tear it took on her, and yet I watched her at times as the parents were aging to, to, to wash them, sponge bathe them, other times actually bathe them. And, and I noticed that their already good relationship got even deeper. And I realized that I needed... I need to learn how to honor my parents because I hadn't done it when they were living and I wasn't doing while they were dying. And it really prompted me to change my relationship with my mom and dad, watching someone else honor. 
That's what's so powerful. If you will learn how to honor, there are people watching you. And in the sacrifice and in the challenge, God is going to use those acts of honoring, especially when you don't agree with a decision, to speak to a culture that does not know how to follow, does not know how to surrender, does not know how to submit, does not know how to honor. So how do we do that? Three ways to honor. Number one, as children, we honor through obedience. What's interesting is the word obedience is not used of adults. So adults, we don't have to obey our parents anymore. But children, we're taught to obey. There's going to be a distinction there. So as children, one of the ways that we show respect to our parents is by obeying. And one of the things that we call our kids to is first-time obedience. And, of course, the reaction is never to obey the first time. It's, ah, well, I don't have to do that. And the more we can call our kids to first-time obedience, the better employees they're going to be later, the better, better marriages they're going to have later, when they learn how to presume that somebody knows more than I do. And so one of the ways as children that we show honor is by obeying your parents and the Lord, for it is right. It's a skill. Then, applies to adults, but as we grow out of childhood into adulthood, we, we honor through respecting. It says in Hebrews, Furthermore, we all had human fathers, human parents, who corrected us, and we paid them respect. And at the time, he goes on to say, nobody likes to be disciplined, but in time we realized they had a grander scheme of trying to develop us. And so we respected them for making the tough call, for setting the boundaries. The book of Leviticus, which you've been going through as a church together, in chapter 19 says, Every one of you shall revere his mother, respect his mother and father, keep my Sabbath, for I am the Lord your God. Let me tell you, honoring your mom and dad, part of that process is seeing them as human beings. And the older you get and face the same challenges of just life and marriage and things, the more you start realizing there is no clear day-by-day, minute-by-minute instructions on how to handle the pressures of life. So part of honoring is instead of a culture that obsesses over blaming your parents and then blaming them for everything that's happened to you, you start seeing them as human beings. And when you see your mom and your dad as human beings, you forgive them for their mistakes. And instead of dwelling on all their mistakes, you say, whatever they did right, I want to carry that forward. Whatever they didn't necessarily do right, I want to leave that behind. That was a dance that mom and dad had. It's not a dance I want to have in my family. You begin to forgive them, and you begin to accept them as human beings. And isn't that we all need somebody to accept us? To realize we're not perfect? And I'd say for some of you moms, you're so hard on yourselves, I would encourage you to do the same thing for yourself. You're never going to be perfect. There's only one that's perfect. It's God. He came to earth and they killed him, so you might as well not follow that pattern. But to give yourself the same grace and the same acceptance. And I think we do that with our parents. And, and, and that's where forgiveness and grace comes in as we see our parents by honoring them through respect. And we respect them a couple of reasons. What they did well. And we also show respect to them uh, by listening. Look what it says about listening. Very interesting. A wise man heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen. So the opposite of not heeding is to not listen. And I think any family, any marriage, any company, any department would do well to increase their, their listening skills. And often we shut down ideas, we shut down comments because we think we know what the other person means or we think we know what they say. But if we would learn to listen, especially as adults, we don't have to obey our parents anymore. But we show honor by listening. Tell me why that's so important to your mom. Tell me why you think I should do that. 
Now, I may or may not do it, but I want to understand. Because I found that even parents who made lots and lots of bad decisions in their own personal life, like you'd say, there's nothing there for me to learn from, they have a keen insight on their kids. Even though they may not have made the same good decisions in their own life, their ability to give discerning comments about how you were made, how you are created by growing up with you, by seeing you raised, it's worth listening to the advice of our mom and dad. Listening carefully rather than discounting what they're saying. Listen to your father who begot you. Do not despise your mother when she's old. And that's really interesting he'd say that, that there might be a tendency that as our parents age to go, oh, you know what, to despise, to dismiss, to not listen, to not honor, to not connect. But the Bible encourages us that even as our parents age, to increasingly listen, to not despise. The book of Proverbs says this, Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually around your neck. Tie them around your neck. When you roam around, when you get loose in life, when you, when you step into your own, they're going to lead you when you sleep. They will keep you when you're awake. They will speak with you. Listening. A couple weeks ago, one of the things we talked about with our kids, because i got two in, going into college now, We've talked about the stage of, you know, the sort of stages of parenting. We're, we're heading into another stage. So we were, you know, we were the, the crossing guard initially with lots of boundaries, what you could and couldn't do as a kid. Then we moved into your cheerleaders, and, and we wanted to cheer you on at the same time, give you some boundaries. And, and now we moved into the coaching stage. We want to coach you to become successful at life. And, and now we're moving into the next stage, 19 to 21, where we want to be your consultants. Or we can't tell you what to do. We, want, we want to be a voice that can consult with you. And we're having a conversation with one of my kids, and... I had sort of given my speech as to why I felt really strongly that, um, that he should do X. And I gave the whole speech, and I got to the end of the speech, and the correct answer was, Dad, that makes so much sense. I'm going to do that. That was the correct response. That's not what I heard, but that's what was the correct response. So I finished the speech, and, and I waited for dramatic pause, and the response was, huh. Which is the passive-aggressive way of saying I'm not going to do that, and I didn't listen to you. So I took another run. Well, here's why it's really important. Da, 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 da. And so I took a third run, and my wife said, I think he's heard you. Uh, remember, we said we're moving from the coaching role into the consulting role. He needs to make his own decision. And everything in me had 20 more minutes of speech, 20 more reasons, 20 more persuasion. And I went, I'm going to listen to my wife? You're right. So you've heard my advice. You've heard the reasons. Uh, we're going we're gonna to honor your decision. And you may have to learn from some some you know positives and negatives here, but but uh, we're going to give you the freedom to make the choice. And I was so glad I listened to my to my wife there. I had another friend. He uh, talked about that those teenage years where his daughter and his mom he loved his daughter and his wife loved them both, but it, they sort of pushed each other's buttons like only a, a daughter and a mother can do. He said one of the roles I played during that time in in our family life was I played the role of referee. Because I love this woman I'm married to, and I love this woman who is our daughter, and they didn't always seemingly love each other. <laughs> so one of the roles I played is after they had a fight or they had a disagreement, I would pull my daughter aside and say, Now, I'm not sure you really listened or heard what Mom was saying. Did you hear this? I didn't hear that. I heard this. Well, if you take a little bit more time to listen, you'd hear Mom's heart. And if you disagree, and the same thing. Hey, honey, I'm not sure you listened to what... Our daughter was saying, I'm not sure, I know what you heard, but I'm not sure you listened. And, and one of the things he felt like he played a role in as a, as a dad and as a husband was to help encourage better listening in the family. I would say in the same way, 
but our parents are aging, one of the ways we honor them is through listening and by communicating that. And again, it's not obedience for adults, but it is respect and listening. I had a guy in a college, when you go to Bible college where I went, uh, you have a bunch of sort of nerdy religious uh, um, classes you take, you know, systematic theology one, systematic theology two, eschatology, pneumatology, all these sort of fancy religious terms. Um, and a guy who went to school with us, he had parents who didn't believe in God, Jesus, or the Bible. In fact, they were pretty antagonistic toward Jesus, God, and the Bible. But I tell you, one of the ways they honored their son is they chose to pay for his Bible education. We were talking one day, I said, that's pretty amazing to know how strongly your, your mom and your dad feel against religion. Are you feeling like really loved and supported? They'd be willing to invest in such a way to something that was so important to you? He's like, no, I never thought of it that way, but you're really right. He told me a story a few months later. One of the classes you take in, uh, in Bible seminary is called apologetics. And if you've never heard that term before, it's a term that means giving a defense or giving an explanation for what you believe. It comes out of a, a verse in, in the New Testament. So he came home and his parents were like, well, tell us a little bit what you learned in that, that fundamental Bible college we're sending you to and well i'm taking systematic theology this and this and christian life and ethics and, and then um, one of my favorite classes is apologetics to which his dad bursts out laughing apologetics is that where you guys learn how to be a televangelist rip people off and apologize for it <laughs> hilarious instead of getting all offended he burst out laughing dad that's funny no let me tell you what it is and sometimes with its religious differences or personality differences Sometimes listening and laughing can just bring so much tension down as we learn how to honor each other, even in our disagreements. All right, as adults, one of the ways we honor is through appreciating. It's amazing how much the Bible speaks about appreciating our parents. Do not despise your mother when she is old. And what's the opposite of despising somebody? It's to appreciate someone. It's to see the benefit of someone. When your mother is old, show her your appreciation, it says in one of the translation. I love what it says in Proverbs 23, 25. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. One of the roles we play as kids is to try and bring joy into our parents' life. You ever thought about that as your job description? How can I, whether it's Grandma Hoban, which might be a little challenging, or Grandma Eldervogue, how can I, in this moment, this day, this situation, all things I'm frustrated with, all things I wouldn't do that way, all the little idiosyncrasies. I remember my grandma, Eileen, for example, she had a policy that after we finished eating these amazing meals she made, we had to wash every dish before we could play games. Now, I know my mom hated that rule because she said several times in our house, we're going to play games right now, we'll wash dishes later. All my life I had to wait so we did dishes. So we had a rule in our house. We never had to do dishes. We played games while there was still, everybody was at the table. Despite that rule, I watched my mom wash dishes by hand with my grandma after every meal when we went to visit her house. And I knew she didn't like the rule. I knew she didn't appreciate the rule. I knew we weren't repeating the rule in our house. But I watched her appreciate my grandmother by washing and talking over the dishes and my grandma loved that she loved the conversations that occurred while we were washing dishes together so even appreciating the traditions that aren't necessarily your traditions can be powerful so how do we do that well number one we appreciate their efforts even if they didn't do everything right we appreciate the efforts of trying to engage and trying to connect think of parenting like finding an old log 
And maybe it's a tree that's been cut down. And, and you look at that tree, maybe it's a big old redwood tree, for example. As you look at this redwood tree, you see the rings in it. And think of the rings of your life, the rings of your mother's life, the rings of your wife's life. And as you look at them, you see some of those are just really nice, thick rings. These were years it was easy to be a parent, easy to be a mom. Things were just awesome, lots of rain those days. And then as you begin to think about and reflect on your own role you played in your mom's life, you see some very thin ring years. And you realize that's where your mom got a lot of really gray hair. And you caused that because of what you did or didn't do. And you begin to honor and appreciate that she stayed with you, prayed for you, worried about you, thought about you, wondered about you, chased you down, tried to persuade you, tried to woo you, tried to give grace to you. As you think about the rings of your mom's life, there's so much to appreciate if we would slow down and look at the rings. My mom had and has this amazing ability to listen even when she wants to speak. And I gave her plenty of opportunities to use that skill. So I was always doing something dangerous. My wife reminded me last night of how how many rings I put into her life. When our kid, like Javen, when he was nine months, I had him in the tube behind the boat at nine months. He was in the tube with me. And I had uh, Quinn on the jet ski with me when he was six months because he, he, he loved, and I loved having him on there. And, and so for many of you, you know, you're like, oh, my goodness, I have a heart attack I was married to you. Yeah, you're so, be so glad you're not married to me. When, um, when the kids were real young, I put a zip line in our backyard, started about 30 feet up in the air, went to about 10 feet up in the air, and I took their Fisher-Price lockable chair and put it on the zip line so they go up and down the thing. And... Man, we had so much fun. They loved it. And, you know, that's like, God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. Her prayer life went up. It was amazing. I remember my my mom, when I was uh, 17, this is one of a hundred stories. I tried to think of one I could tell that you maybe wouldn't repeat um, of all the dumb things I did. This one, I had a post office Jeep that got totaled. We cut it into a convertible. My dad had a welder. And then I had a... um, a trailer behind it, and I had one of those James Bond stand-up jet skis. And we love this thing. I love this thing. But some of the dumb things I do is I would take the jet ski to the river by myself, which isn't real wise. I'd put it into the Illinois River, and I would go cruising. And, and this particular day, the water level was high. That's going to be important. Because it was about the same time that Return of the Jedi had come out. And if, you, if you're not a Star Wars fan, this is very important to the story, because... Return of the Jedi has some scenes. The Ewoks, sort of get rid of the Ewoks, but the biker scouts were these machines that you could basically hover in the air and they would zoom in and out of the trees of the forest. That was very important to me at that time in my life. Hold that thought. So I'm in my jet ski and the water level has gone up on the river about 20 feet. And because Illinois is flat, there's no hills, there's no mountains, when the water level goes up, on the side of the the river are are forests and, and cornfields and things like that. So I'm taking my jet ski up by myself, 17, driving up the river, and I realized, oh my goodness, the, the water level now goes like for miles in all directions because it was up so high. And so I sort of putter my way over to the forest, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This forest is filled with water. Now, I didn't know if it was six inches of water or three feet of water, so as a 17-year-old, I said, well, I want to be safe, and I don't want to hit something under the water. So I remember something my dad had told me. He said, you know, the great thing about a jet ski is at full speed, you only need six inches of water because of the way the turbine works. 
So in the way that only a 16-year-old, 17-year-old could think, I went, oh, so the safest thing to do if I'm going to jet ski through a forest is to go full speed so I only need six inches of water. And I'm, we- I'm having a great time. Weaving in and out of every of these trees, having a great time. And I, I didn't get killed. I get home, and I didn't even think about the danger. Didn't think, all that stuff you don't do when you're 17. Yeah, right. And I get home, and Mom's like, hey, where you been? I said, oh, it's such a great time. I went down, I got a jet ski, I'm zooming in and out of the trees. For 20 minutes, she didn't talk. For 20 minutes, she sat there and went, wow. Wow, sounds like you had a good time. Wow, then what happened? What happened next? And then after 20 minutes, where she entered my joy and entered my, my fun, she said, hey, can I ask you a few questions? And then she masterfully said, did you ever think about what happened? I said, oh, I didn't. Did you ever think about, maybe the problem wasn't that, was that you hit in a tree. I didn't. Did you ever think about, like, you would have been, we would have no idea what to find. I didn't. Will you promise me to never, ever, ever, ever do that again? And I promised her to never go full speed through a forest from that point on. But I tell you what it did teach me. It did teach me that, Sometimes when I want to speak, we need to first enter into the lives of our children. Um, even when we disagree, to first enter into the circumstance before we give advice to it. I, I took my, my friend, uh, Javen, who's graduating from high school in a couple weeks. I took two, he and a couple of his buddies. We went uh, to Colorado for a trip together. We're having a great time skiing uh, down the slopes. And, and instead of skiing on the snow part, uh, we love doing the tree runs, which is these massive, you know, 100 feet by 100 yard sections of trees where you're basically weaving in a tree. It's very similar to uh, the Biker Scouts, actually. Uh, and because I'm leading, because I want to be, I want to be, uh, you know, safe, uh, I'm going first so I can carve the path, but knowing that I gotta go fast enough that I don't get run into by my teenager or his friend behind him. At the same time, if I go too slow, you know, they're gonna run into me. So I got this, you know, go fast enough to, to, to stay ahead of them and go slow enough that I don't, you know, hit a tree. And so as I'm skiing along, we're having a great time and we are weaving in and out and just celebrating and we get home and we're talking at my house before the, the whole weekend was over about just the fun times. Oh, you remember the time that you ran into the tree? I don't remember that. Well, I think you had a concussion. That's probably why you forgot about that. Oh, we're telling the stories. And, 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 and so I say, I can't wait to get home and tell my mom. Maybe she shouldn't have to tell you what I said. Maybe she just mentioned the skiing and uh, mentioned the Pastor Chad uh, asked you to buy the helmet. Mentioned that part. That's probably important. But there is a reaction on that. Uh, moms are, are designed to, 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 to protect us from these kind of things. But you think about all the dumb things you've done and how much your mom worried and to appreciate that heart that God put in here for that. It's pretty powerful. To appreciate not only their efforts but their sacrifice. I mean, parenting is expensive. I think raising a child at 18 these days is something like a quarter of a million dollars. That's probably minimum. And you wonder, like, I wonder why my mom and dad didn't have nice stuff. Because they had you. That's why. That's why they didn't have his nice stuff. You jumped on their couches. You ruined this thing. That's why. And so appreciating the sacrifices of our parents to realize that I, I, my mom had bucket lists. She wanted to go to Alaska. Every year got put off, put off, put off, put off so we could go to camp or we could go to college. It was amazing. Whether it was putting off my dad, I didn't realize how much he loved fishing until we all left the house. And it's like, now we can't get it under his schedule because he's retired. He fishes so often. Or his motorcycle loves or his, his fly fishing loves. And the things that you sacrifice are put on hold because you prioritize your kids. So again, God honors those who honor their mothers. And so I think the takeaway for us is how do we listen? How do we appreciate? And how do we obey if we're children? 
But not from a reluctant heart, but from a willing heart. Because when you do it from a willing heart, that's what speaks volumes to our culture. Three women who have impacted me the most in my life, and here they are. It's my mom, it's my wife, and that's my daughter. And one of the habits I've had in my life is that I like to, uh, whenever any one of them are in town, obviously my wife's in town all the time, but uh, when my mom's in town or when my daughter's in town here for the summer, I try and make a regular occurrence to take the women in my life on dates. And uh, to honor them, to appreciate them, so whether it's you know, going twice a month with my wife or my daughter's down in town trying to get together with her once a week or when my mom's in town, we always go to a movie together or we try and catch um, a show together. We live in a culture that, that objectifies women, that demonizes women, that thinks of them as afterthought. One of the powerful roles we have as men, as husbands, as sons, is to communicate a way of honoring and loving women that is so countercultural today. And one of the things my mom taught me, and she was the vice president of a company, and I remember her coming home and processing often the challenges she had. She worked for uh, a president who hired his brother, who was not Mr. Competent, and so she had the challenges of instituting policies that weren't immoral, but just she wouldn't do it this way, she wouldn't necessarily agree with that, so she had to learn how to you know, build a case for her way of doing it. Sometimes she had to institute policies she didn't necessarily agree with. And I remember her talking about that struggle and how she did that around the family dinner table. And years I remember in my own professional life as I was writing my journal entry, whether I was asked to fire somebody that I thought deserved another chance at my my church down in Atlanta, but ultimately we as a team decided that the chances were up. I remember going back to what my mom modeled for me. How do you follow well? How do you be a person under authority? How do you obey, listen, and respect those in authority over you, not from a reluctant heart or a bitter heart. Everybody can do that. Not a cynical heart, but from a willing heart. And what you discover as you begin to learn the things that God has in store for us is that you become more and more like God. Because the perfect example of God is God is three in one in the Trinity. And what you find in the Trinity are three people who submit to one another, who celebrate one another, who cheer each other on, who respect the differences of one another, who point glory to one another, And when you begin to learn how to honor, you see the ultimate example that is Jesus. Who one day he's sitting in a garden. He doesn't want to go to a cross. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. I want to honor my heavenly father by doing what needs to be done to teach all of us what it looks like to experience the abundant life of honoring your father, even in a garden. Let's pray. Father, thank you for mothers. Thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you for the reminder of your love for us and the way you want to grow us and develop us and the people you've made us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we will see you all next week. Happy Mother's Day.